0: G'day and welcome back to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. Our guest today is Annette Tabor. She brings over 30 years of experience in the information and communications technology industry. Her most recent adventure, the launch of her company BoardSwap in the spring of 2023, provides fully outsourced advisory boards as a service to companies within the ICT channel ecosystem. Proceeding a move into entrepreneurship, She served as a Senior Vice President, Industry and Public Sector Outreach for the Computing Technology Industry Association, CompTIA, where she formed appointed, facilitated and governed the Association Industry Advisory Council Program. Prior to CompTIA Annette worked for the Tech Data Corporation, now TD Cinex and started at the ground level as a sales representative later moving to spearhead their systems engineering department and grow it to a force of 70 engineers, supporting 75,000 customers and a sales staff of 300. Annette is a graduate of the University of Maryland University College, has a degree in business and management, is CTT plus Plus certified as a CompTIA technical trainer and is also a certified chair, an exclusive credential issued by the Advisory Board Center for Advisory Professionals that have completed the Certified Chair Executive Program. I really enjoyed this podcast. I hope you do too, but enough from me. I'll hand over to Annette. Annette, thank you for giving your time to speak with me on Talking Leadership TV. So I am very grateful for the guests that I've had in the US that have given up their time to speak with me usually it's the end of your day and and as we're recording this it's the end of a week for you so 100% appreciative of the time that you're giving up and um, we've had some chats offline around trying to understand where we're coming from from this this leadership discussion and uh, you've schooled me up on a lot of things to do with advisory board so I'm Appreciative of that, I'm, I'm still a student in that regard. But um, more focusing on you, if I could, what 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 does leadership look like and feel like to you? And and if you had to define it, how would you define it?
1: Well, I first of all, thank you for inviting me. This is a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I think people look at leadership obviously through many different lenses, and for me. Um, I would say my leadership journey started at a Fortune 100 company at the ground bottom. And over the course of 15 years, working my way through that ladder, if you will, to get into an executive position. Um, And of course, you know, when you're in that corporate environment, you get to see all kinds of leadership styles. Um, I will tell you my personal opinion, excuse me, is that, Leadership <clears throat> to me is the ability to execute on the deliverables you're being asked to do with a very motivated team around you. Uh, because for one thing, if if there's not a buy-in from every single person on your team, then you're going to have a problem. Um, so I've, I feel like the definition of leadership is your ability to motivate and bring everybody to a common place and have everyone executing on all cylinders toward that common goal. Um, Because when you have a motivated team, everything else falls into place. In my opinion, that's what I've seen.
0: Thank you. The, the, the ability to motivate others and to get the team to be a a high performing team, a um, team that focuses on continuous improvement. Do you think that the leader in that uh, scenario, at least a scenario that you're painting is the exemplar for how that has to play out or um, is it to paint the picture of what you want the team to do and let them go and and get it not, not micromanage that process. How, how have you approached that?
1: Yeah, well, I, I can assure you with my personality style, I am not a very detail-oriented person. Um, I like to kind of be a, a bit more on the visionary side, but I can delegate with authority and I have no problem with that, so I am not a micromanager. I think if there's anything that is the absolute worst trait of a leader would be to be a micromanager. Um, And that to me points out the fact that you have the wrong people in the wrong roles if you have to micromanage. Um, And then that gets back to interviewing skills, which is a whole nother conversation. But um, I, I absolutely lead by example and I have no trouble jumping in and helping. So I'm the kind of person that, um, yes, I lead by example, but I work alongside my team at the same time. So, you know, I've had roles where I was in the same job for a very long time and I was able to refine the department and the work that we were doing to the point where it was running flawlessly. Um, so for me... That meant, okay, I got to go find something else to do to contribute to the value of what we're doing here. And so I would go off on my own and start building uh, strategic partnerships with outside organizations to help deliver some of the value that we were building. So whatever it was, I always felt like, you know, here's a quote. I love this quote. It's one of my favorites. To achieve all that is possible um one must attempt the impossible and to be all you can be you must dream of being more so it's you can never be satisfied you can never be comfortable you always have to be reaching and growing and inspiring and you know i think one of the other things that i would say about leadership is get to know your people And understand what their strengths are. And I'm not all about that. Oh, well, here's your strengths and here's your weaknesses. And guess what? We need to put you in some things to help you stretch and and overcome these weaknesses. You know, I'm not like that. I would be like, look, if you don't like doing that, then we'll find someone else that does. And we're going to use you to do what you like best. And we're going to get the most out of you because you're going to be highly motivated because you know you're good at this. And that's what you're going to do on the team. And then we'll find someone else to do this other thing. That's how I manage. And that's how I lead because that's how I would want to be treated.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. Annette. then um, one, one thing I've often wondered is when leaders in whatever capacity are assessing their teams and they go through this process of well, what are your strengths and where are your weaknesses or areas of opportunity, Um, I often don't hear the discussion around why don't you maximize what people are very good at and focus focus your energies there rather than trying to build capabilities in areas where there's a known weakness or it's not something that drives you as an employee. Because I I have to tell you, if I was working for you and you said to me, Eric, right, we're going to build these weakness areas and, well, I can do 100 other things a lot better over here. Why aren't we focusing there? I don't think I'd last too long working in a company like that. And I know that that happens fairly often, but I think the reverse is true. And what you've just said, you know, if I was working for you and and you sort of left me to my own devices, trusting in my my own skill sets, it makes for a happier time um, in the workplace 100%. Um, I, I also resonate with and like when you say, well, you need to get to know your team. You spend a lot of time at work and a lot of time with these human beings and not getting to know them uh, in terms of their um, professional skill sets as well as who they are as people leaves a disconnect if you don't try and do something like that. And I think in terms of size of business, the smaller the organisation, a lot easier that is to do, whereas the bigger the organisation gets – I think there's some obstacles to that because you can't be with everyone all the time if you're running, particularly if you're working in multinationals, and that's where I think how you set up your management team, the executives, and how they do that, and inculcate what I think you're alluding to, which is a, a functional, organizational culture, um, is important. Give give me an example if you can. I'm I'm interested to hear this because I know you 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 have a lot of experience in industry. Where has it gone? Where have you seen it go wrong? And um, how do you deal with um, a situation where the team is not functioning? How do you get it up to a functional level? Or how do you get out of the um, the quagmire you might be in?
1: Well, I find that a lot of times when a team is not functional, it sometimes has to do with the relationship of the boss with the support departments, meaning, you know, you can't work in a silo, right? Even if you're a department leader, let's say you're the vice president of sales uh, or whatever, you depend on a lot of other departments to meet your goal, right? And if your team isn't functioning well, sometimes, you know, just simply, and I've done this before, I've done a survey, anonymous survey, stop, start, continue. That's it. Send me a note, uh, print it, stick it in the box. I'm going to put it by the printer. Uh, What do you think we should stop doing? What should we start doing? And what should we continue doing? And when you get feedback like that, it brings everybody together because then what are you going to do? You're going to go back to the whole team and you're going to say, okay, this is the feedback you all said anonymously. It's, you know, we got to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we got to get it right. So let's all figure it out, right? Like, let's problem solve this and let's all make it work so we all feel good about what we're doing. You know, to me, um, I can't work any other way. It's just it's just a natural instinct to be that way. Um, but I would also say that it's important for the leader to build the relationships with the colleagues that they have across the organization. Because if you don't have good working relationships with the other department leaders, your team is gonna suffer. It's, it's, it, it doesn't matter, um, you know, what you're doing. You, you rely on the support teams to get everything done, right? Like there's a, a, somewhere where you're gonna overlap and you need that. Uh, that relationship at the higher level, because then it flows down. And I think, um, you know, when you're at an executive team meeting uh, and you're sitting around the table with your colleagues and you could talk about, oh, yeah, Joe and Susie both got into it yesterday. Did you hear about that? Oh, yeah, you know, we we should discuss the process that caused that issue and let's maybe refine the process a little bit and then roll it out to our teams, and then it releases all that anxiety and stress from everybody else. So, if there's a lot of that going on in a team, then I, I would, I would, I would say there could be other things going on there too, you know, outside of that in specific group.
0: I might, I might take you to uh, a more meta discussion if we can around what are you seeing in terms of leadership or leadership issues out in industry that has you maybe potentially concerned or an issue that needs more attention um, in your travels. And again, I don't want you to um, identify an organization or any individuals, but just a key issue that you're seeing in the leadership space that you think needs a little bit more attention.
1: Um. Well, um, I'm working with a client, um, that has some challenges also with his board of directors. So what happens is, you know, there's a, a tight knit group very working very well together at the business level, you know, with the president and all the direct reports. And let's say, you know, um, the board isn't as familiar with the actual business, not all of the board members, but let's just say a handful of them don't really understand the business. Um, I think there's a trend right now uh with boards whether it's you know the old twitter board um where a lot of the people they're just from the good old boy network and they get on these boards and they don't really understand the business so i would say you know if you're gonna if you're gonna enact a board of directors you know You've you got to have people that at least understand the industry, understand the business, are willing to make the commitment. Um, and if they aren't, then they shouldn't be on the board, right? Um, because this company is an awesome company. And um, I I can just say that, you know, the synergy that I witnessed within the executive team and the president was impeccable. Um but i feel that sometimes making sure that your board of directors is really supporting the business and not just you know an empty suit if you will that that doesn't know really what's going on and just wants their name in lights because i'm on the board of directors at such and such a company um i mean frankly i heard that some of the twitter executives didn't even have the Twitter app on their phone. They didn't even know what it was, you know? So, and I'm not picking on Twitter, you know, I know it's, well, and now it's X, but um, you know, back in the day, this was years ago, right? I mean, so you hear stories like that and then you think like, really? Like, that's crazy. But um, I don't know if that helped answer your question, but I, I, I would just say making sure, especially now, with the way the economy is and the way the, you know, the geopolitical situation is around the world. um, I think leaders now more than ever need to really vet their advisors. Um, And they really need to do a deep interview. And if they don't know how to interview, they need to hire somebody that knows how to do it right. Uh, Because You just, um, you want to surround yourself with quality right now, especially.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think um, for some clarification that for those that might be watching um, and listening to the conversation or engaging with this content via um, uh, the audio version of our conversation that, um, yes, there are a lot of organizations that have boards and those boards are anywhere from dysfunctional to highly functional. And then you have your advisory board um, ecosystem in which we've, we've discussed in which many people work that is a temporary part of an existing board. And so that delineation of what expertise do you need on your board? And then what expertise do you bring in, in an advisory capacity is an interesting question. And um I, I would i would ask you as an expert in that area how many traditional boards do you think or maybe not put a number of this but in general again based on your experience i think we'll go with that do you think boards look outside of themselves for expertise-based assistance or do they only do that when the proverbial hits the fan and they need to do it because something's gone very wrong
1: No, I think we're seeing a trend where that's happening more.
0: Um, And I
1: I think it's interesting because since the pandemic, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of change. Right. So whether it's sustainability or ESG scores or diversity and inclusion, all these things that traditional board members may not have that skill set, they're not. They're not schooled in these areas. They uh, they may come from a different generation altogether that doesn't even understand it, right? But that's where you'll find a, a board of directors will augment the work of their board work at the board of directors level or the governance board with a formalized advisory board. And in some cases, it's something as simple as There's one guy on the board of the directors that's a CISO or a cybersecurity officer. And he doesn't want to be the one to make the final decision on what the company's cyber program or policies are going to be, right? Even though he has uh, maybe an IT department, a CTO that's working in the company or a CIO, Sometimes, because he's the only one on the board of directors that has some cyber background, the rest of the board members kind of pivot to that person and say, Well, what do you think? Is this what we should do? And they're like, Look, I don't want to make a decision on behalf of this multi billion dollar company. I think maybe we should bring in an an advisory board of cybersecurity experts to augment the work we're doing here. And let's get multiple people to look at the situation and offer us a several different approaches so that then we can all agree on what approach we feel is the best. And I think that's where you're seeing governance boards overlap with advisory boards in the way that we've never seen before. Um, and they can be standalone and they can continue. So once that that challenge or solution is solved, um, then they can change that charter for that board to the next big problem that the board of directors needs to focus on. Maybe they want to expand internationally or maybe they want to acquire another business and they don't have anyone on the board that has that expertise and they, they can't afford to bring in a high paid consultant, uh, but they want people that have been there and done it and they could build a board for something like that. Uh, So yeah, there's multiple uses for advisory boards and, you know, governance boards and support uh, collaboration. It becomes like a governance system where the governance board is engaging with the advisory board. And there's that, that overlap of the Venn diagram where, you know, they're both kind of working together. And um, it's great because you've got, In that scenario, your advisory board is not being held to the legal and fiduciary responsibilities that the board of directors has. So they can be a little bit more open and and flamboyant in their thinking, if you will. And in many cases, uh, that's a good thing. You know, Uh, it's a refreshing way to get new perspective.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting uh, ecosystem. I'll, I'll borrow that word that you just um, threw out there, because in in my um, career at coming up, I always looked at the traditional board as being the the peak, the be all and end all of of bigger organisations and big industry bodies. And um, the reality of it is, not every human being on every board has all the skill sets that you might need to tackle any given. Issue and when you talk about an ecosystem, that there are other ways to tackle those problems, where you can get expertise in that don't have the the shackles of of the fiduciary responsibilities that come with being a um, uh, part of the the board of directors. That yeah, that that's an interesting uh, space to play in, and all of the potential leadership issues that come with. Um, That level of governance is uh, something we're not going to talk about today, but definitely something we will come back to hopefully in the future if you'll keep chatting with me. But uh, Annette, I'd like to pose this question to you and I'm sick to death of the, the, the issue. And I'm I'm sure you are. And and, uh, some of those that will be listening to this around a post COVID-19 workplace and from Going through the the pandemic, do you think the way leaders practice the doing of leadership was impacted through that process? Is it still too early to tell?
1: Um. Well, I think we've learned a lot. I think as um, as just global citizens, uh, I think everyone has taken their own learnings from the experience. Um, Personally, I I am not a a believer in mandating people to have the vaccine, for example, to keep their job. Um, There was a lot of that going on here in the US. I'm not sure how that was received elsewhere. Um, But then there was the remote workforce issue, right? Um, some, some companies just shut down their office and everybody had to be remote. And a lot of the IT departments were not prepared for that, to be able to outfit people with laptops and get everybody up and running. I mean, there was a lot involved in making all that happen. And I would say as global citizens across this world, trying to keep the global economy moving, I think we did a pretty darn good job um, considering what we were up against. So um, from the tech industry where I come from, you know, I think there were a lot of lessons learned. Um, I think, I hope that leaders will be more inclined to not rush to make decisions so quickly, um, to let the process evolve and that we don't make rash decisions. I, I just feel there was a lot of um, <clears throat> just freedoms, frankly, that were taken away from people that didn't need to happen. Um, Obviously, there were was there a period of time where we didn't know, right? And so people are defaulting to doing what they felt was the most important for the safety and well-being of their employees and everything. So you can't really fault them for what they did, but at the same time, under the circumstances, um, with what we know now, I think I hope that leaders will be a little bit more reflective before they make decisions
0: no thank you for that uh, and it's it's a question I'm asking in most of the podcast sessions that I'm recording around what what have we learned what are the issues that are a hangover from the process and that that uh, one that you brought up about the remote workforce and what does that mean going forward I think is a particularly interesting one not just for discussion but what does it mean for different types of businesses and Um, a theme that keeps coming out is in some roles working fully remote can make some sense because you don't need to be in an office space. But if you're working in an industry where you are producing a good or you're on a production line, then working from home makes a little less sense. And then there's this idea about equity in the workplace that uh, the blue collar workers have to suck it up and be in, in, in-house and work on site whereas those in white collar jobs can work from home can um hybridize their their work experience and uh all of all of the issues that come uh from that and I, I I truly believe we're going to be talking about this for decades to come around what was the good and bad of uh how leaders responded to it the only thing i'll I'll, I'll throw in here as a as a topic that I'd like your view on, if if you have one, and that is I think a lot of leaders weren't prepared for the shock of what came and then demonstrated their ability to lead by being adaptive and looking to how do I get the best from my people whilst keeping them safe in an environment that threw up a lot of question marks about what do we do um, to ensure the safety of our people and then the longevity of the business. Does that ring true for you? Do you have a slightly different view?
1: No, I um, I, I agree. Uh, of course, my experiences have been with organizations that were not building a physical product. So, again, I want to clarify that because you're right. You know, if you're in manufacturing, you have to go to the plant. You have to do the job, and, um, and then – you know, you've also got the, the issue of, uh, how do you keep everybody motivated in a situation like that? Right. Like, you know, um, I have family members that work in, um, in a production type of an environment where, uh, it, it wasn't a fun experience being in that environment with a mask. And, you know, it, it was not, easy for these people whereas then you like you say you've got the uh the the ones that are maybe so in the white collar jobs where they're at home and they've got their latte next to them and how does that um how how do you keep that balance and how do you present yourself as a leader in a capacity where you're gaining the respect of both sides of both of those audiences right um That's a tough one. And to your point, I I agree. I think, you know, we're going to be talking about this for a long time. Um, And then you add the additional element of everyone going to work remote and then not wanting to come back to an office. And now you've got all this real estate that's out there where companies have these beautiful offices and nobody's in them. And, you know, what's going to happen with the ramification from all of that, because now people realize, well, I can do my job just as effectively at home. And we have a zoom meeting with the team. So I still see everybody. It's not like I'm just because I'm physically, we're not there. Things seem to just be getting done. And I mean, I personally am always one that's more of a hands-off person anyway, and, you know. I I expect certain deliverable and as long as that's being delivered, I honestly don't care how you get it done. Uh, You could be (laughs) in a coffee shop for all I care working on your projects. I don't need you to be in an office, but again, it depends on the job. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't have all those answers. I wish I did, um, but I agree that there will be books written about this in the future and there will be a lot of Reflection on what we've learned going through this process.
0: Yeah, I hope when um, when those books do get written that there is some um, uh, consideration, and I mean real consideration for the human beings that were in leadership roles that were um, broadsided by this and had to adapt very quickly, and some did it very successfully, and some had some issues with it but i think um coming down hard on those that didn't do it so well i think is not not um not a not a credible way to assess how they dealt with things because we were dealing with a global pandemic and it's the only one that i'm aware of in my lifetime that did what it did to the the global um community and yeah for sure that there will be ongoing issues for discussion my my sense of this is that all my hope for this sorry is that boards and advisory boards remember some of these lessons when they're dealing with organizations that are still having a hangover from the COVID period one one thing that I'd like to share is a, a financial institution in Australia here I won't name that institution was um uh, identified in the media as uh, not not just requesting but demanding those employees that were working remote that you had to be in the office a minimum of fifty percent of your time through the week, or it was unacceptable for you to be fully remote from home. And the argument from employees was, "Well, we're getting the work done. We're not in the office space, and we want to keep ourselves healthy and our families." Why Why are we going back to the old, reverting back to the old bottles of how we work? And um, not to attack that institution, but it brought up something in my thinking that how quickly are we going to revert to type post the pandemic, all of these potential new ways of dealing with teams and understanding our leadership orientations? How quickly will we revert to type once there's been some clear air between the end of the pandemic and getting back to supposed business as usual.
1: Well, you know, that's such a good point. And I have to tell you a personal story. Um, I have a family member who was uh, working for a company and it, you know uh, he's probably maybe 29 years old. Um, and it was like his first big, kind of job, if you will, right? And he was uh, told that, look, you can work remote two days out of the week. And then three days you have to be in the office. This was how he was hired, right? So he was working, uh, going into the office, and then the pandemic hit, and of course they made everybody work remote. And all the employees got really used to working remote. Then the boss came back and said, well, now we need you back in the office three days a week, and there was all the hemming and hawing, and oh my God, this and that, and bitching and complaining. And they all did; they went back three days a week, and the production was less. So the 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 president told them all to go back to where working remotely full time, and that's a true story. So. For what that's worth, I don't know if it works everywhere, but it worked for that company.
0: Yeah, and again, the um, the challenge that was brought out through the pandemic is what our traditional views of what the work mode is for our teams has now been challenged to the degree that each industry sector has to deal with that and some will have some unique solutions to it, others will be forced to reconcile with the fact that you need some people on site Um, and in some professions you know i'm thinking medical hospitals you can't have nurses working remote right you can't have doctors working remote although you do have in australia we call it telehealth where you can talk to a doctor but yeah okay um but the degree to which you still need to physically be in a space in some professions and be face to face with people. You can't get away from that. Look, and it, this has been really interesting and I do want to continue the conversation, but it would be remiss of me if I didn't ask you this before you, um, before we end the podcast, sorry, the nature versus nurture issue, are leaders born or are they made?
1: Oh, wow. Um That's a really good question. I, I can only relate to my own personal experience. Um, I think it has a lot to do with personality. So I would almost say maybe you're born with it because I think it's a personality type that, that, that can make a good leader too. Um, not so much skills as it is your ability to interact with different types of people. Um, And you know, like there's those disc assessments and different personality assessments. I highly recommend that, that executive teams do that so that everybody knows what their personality type is so that they make the most of engaging with people that are completely opposite. Because when you're in a team environment and if you don't know those little triggers that can set someone off just because you're a certain way and you don't think that it was a bad thing that you said, you didn't intend it to come across that way, but they took it that way, right? So, you know, I think I think personality has a lot to do with it, but I also agree that, you know, being nurtured, being mentored, being told what your blind spots are so that you know i had a mentor once that gave me my performance review i will never forget him and um it was it was a great review you know i i was a hard worker i was i was successful but he he took the document and he flipped it over on the on the table and he pushed it to the side made this physical movement. And he said, Annette, now that that's out of the way, let's really talk. And it was at that moment. And again, I was very young in my career. Uh, I wasn't even at the executive level yet. I was a senior manager. And he said, you got to understand your work ethic is a lot more, um, you're, you're, he basically said, you're running circles around your peers and they, they they don't like it, you know? And I'm like, what? You know, and I don't say that because I'm trying to promote myself or anything like this. I'm not trying to be conceited or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly telling you the truth. I was so hell bent on executing and getting to the next, you know, like I was so driven that I wasn't looking up I wasn't looking around. I wasn't taking the time to build the proper relationships with my peers. And that was all I needed. And then boom, I went right up the food chain because I learned that it's not just about getting that next job or getting that next promotion or getting that that paycheck, right? It's about the impact that you leave behind on others, and when you realize that being a leader is about, you know, bringing everyone along the path and the journey with you, uh, you you would just be surprised the momentum that comes with that. So when you make the time to invest in people, genuinely care about them, and about them being happy and motivated and wanting to come to work every day it makes all the difference in my opinion
0: yeah 100% and that that's a really nice way to end the podcast thank you for your time today mate
1: thank you i appreciate it, it was a lot of fun eric
0: That concludes our podcast with Annette. I'd like to thank her for her time and insights. This was a thoroughly enjoyable podcast. As always, thank you for supporting the work we're doing here at Talking Leadership TV. Please drop a like or subscribe to help us grow the channel. And please have a good day, rest of your week, and we'll catch you all on the next episode of Talking Leadership TV.